Stormy. 
15 member team that returned just a few weeks ago. As you exit today, there are reports from our team that you may want to take with you to catch up on all the details of things that happened while we were there. There's also a meeting if you are interested in the 2024 team. 2024, you hear that? Uh, it will be in March, and there will be a group of folks in uh, the classroom at the bottom of the ramp uh, that uh, you can go in there today and get uh, some details about what that might mean. I'm going to give the history, and it's hard to give the history in a short period of time, so. But you're going to do it right. So bear with me. <laughs> Two bathrooms. 
kitchen, then steps leading up to a future classroom, a second floor, a third floor, then a rooftop playground, year by year, God provided. And each year when we returned to Breezes, we were amazed at the progress. The preschool itself opened in the fall of 2012 with 24 children. 12 were Dominican, 12 were Haitian. And God has blessed that ministry immeasurably more ever since. Nine years ago, Pastor Hernan was called to be, who is a Dominican pastor, was called uh, to lead the church and the preschool. He lovingly cares for all those children. He uses our support wisely for the good of the families in that community. Cynthia, his wife, works with him and is his right hand. Together, they are an amazing team. <laughs> Early on, they also began to provide for school-aged children by offering after-school tutoring. Today, that one-room church building that didn't have a bathroom has grown to be a three-story building with five bathrooms, a kitchen, multiple classrooms, a nursery, and a rooftop playground. There are 140 three- to five-year-olds enrolled in the preschool program. And then there are 42 children who come after school for their tutoring in the after school program. There are 16 employees who work with the children of all the members of Greece's church. The church at Greece's is growing too, and that growth is due mainly to the preschool. Sunday services are crowded. There are 90 or more children attending Sunday school. The church is experiencing growth pains, and they are looking for a new building site. Our financial support has grown, too. We currently send $24,000, $24,000 in three payments to the school each year. Without the faithful support of our church family and community, that would not be possible. And so we say thank you to you today. We asked Pastor Aaron to calculate about how many families he thought had been blessed by Brisa's preschool over the years. He thought a moment and then he said, 1,000. Just imagine. 1,000 families blessed by God through this preschool. This is immeasurably more than we could ever have imagined. And truth be told, God has blessed us immeasurably as he has allowed Mill Creek Church family and friends to be a vital part of this ministry. To God alone, we give our praise. I didn't realize there were pictures showing, so I'm not going to watch those. Um, <laughs> so I'm not sure how far we're into our time. Sorry. Um, so at our meeting on Monday, I was kind of um, voluntold, um, as I call it, that, that I would be able to speak today by um, the group. And fine, that's fine. And I was told we had about 10 minutes. So, um, so I struggled with what to write, how to write it, and how much to share. And um, Honestly, even though we've had, I've had a couple 
weeks, I still, it's hard for me to really put into words um, everything. So, um, back in 2020, when Danny first came, or Danny first started talking about a mission trip to Romania. And at that time, I was like, okay, I'll try it, right? Um, hurry to raise all the money, and we had our plane tickets ready to go, and my passport, and we all know that COVID hit. So, um, our two week flight to her turned into months, turned into years. So at that time, my girls were only 12 and didn't feel like they were ready to go. Well, <clears throat> last, last summer, um, just started praying about, didn't look like Romania was gonna happen anytime soon, should I go somewhere else? So um, a group of individuals that I'm really close to goes to the DR and so decided to go and luckily the girls were 15 by this point. So it felt like they could go with me. So it was really a blessing that I then was able to take them with me. Um, so we had months of fundraising, festivals, golf tournament, yard sale, and of course the dessert auction, and, and the time came. So the 15 of us boarded the, the van out back and went to the airport. And honestly, I, I truly wondered how many times on this trip Peggy felt like she was hurting cats. Um, because <laughs> it, it really just started, I think, out in the parking lot. But you know, we got there, it's fine. <laughs> Um, so then when we got there, it was quite the debacle because um, we thought we didn't have to do some of our paperwork until we landed and apparently we had to do it to get on the plane. So the person at the desk was so kind to us um, and so patient because we clearly were struggling with um, smartphones at that point. So um, I had sat down, Peggy called me up to the desk and said, can you come here? I'm like, this is it, I'm not going, something's happened. And, um, and the girl at the desk looked at me and said, what do you do? What's your job? And I knew on the form we had to fill it out, so I thought maybe there was some question about what I put. And um, I said, well, I'm a social worker, and I'm really careful <laughs> sometimes because not everybody likes social workers. Um, so I, I responded, and she looked at me and got this huge smile on her face, and she said, I think you were mine. And so I asked her name, and as soon as she told me her name, just her first name, I knew immediately who she was. I saw the six-year-old kid that I placed in a foster home, gosh, 16 years ago. And she's clearly going well. She had been adopted, and I know she struggled some as a teen, but, you know, what teens don't struggle? Um, but it appeared to be back on track. At least she's employed, right, and, and doing well. And, and she wanted to talk to me, and so after I walked away, <clears throat> she made a comment to uh, Peggy about just the impact I've had on her life. Um, and so, <laughs> you know, that was how our trip started. Like, wow, um, this is amazing. And it was really something I needed personally and professionally at that time. So um, we got on the plane, and, and Judy and I, I don't know, sometimes we have the last row a couple times on the plane. I don't know, right by the bathroom. So I'm sitting by the and, and we have our bright purple shirts on, and, and the guy goes, well, where are y'all going? And I'm like, do we tell him? I've been told not to tell people. And so, of course, we're going on a mission trip. And then he starts telling us about his experiences on mission trips to, to Mexico. So just another opportunity to see God put me where I needed to be, on the right plane, at the right time, in the right gate, on the right day, right? Like, to see um, to see her working in just different things. So. Our, our travel was pretty interesting. I think at one point, half of us were in the group were running. Some of us were about to die because we couldn't catch our breath. And I think 
dragging two almost 50 pound bags, you know, along with your book bag, along with your check bag through the airport. So if you're thinking about going, you better start practicing because it is brutal. Um, but we made it, uh, made it to SCORE, which is where we stayed. They had everything waiting on us. And the week that followed, um, there's just not enough time to, to say all that we did. We started off the week with a sermon at Breezes um, <clears throat> that Dan led while some of us led Sunday school. And then um, that afternoon we returned for Bible study um, with men, women, and children. And, and another small tip, if you think you might be working with kids, you need to start practicing dancing and singing, because that will wear you out too, just saying. Um, we did that. Um, I may have taken a break. Um, but the week, I mean, that's the pictures that we had. Um, that included a trip to a, um, they call it, some people call it an orphanage, but it's really a group home for youth that are severely disabled for children and young adults. Um, multiple trips to Breezes. We also stopped at Olay, which is the Dominican Walmart. Very interesting. Um, but it looks a lot like our Walmart, I felt like. Um, we purchased food and clothing supplies there for all the locations we stopped at um, and ministered. We visited Boca Chica, who, which is the area that's um, definitely um, probably the poorest area that we visited during our time there. And we were able to visit with the church that Jude mentioned with Pastor Edward and his members. Um, and it really worked out. We visited a new site called Happiness Now. And it is out. It is, it, it's very far out, the village, very far out by Pachica. And all of a sudden, you got all this dirt and all this trash, for lack of a better word. And all of a sudden, you just come up on this building with this huge sunshine painted on the outside of it. Um, and, and it is a site led by a single lady, Jackie, who is just an outreach for mainly Haitian children who are very discriminated against in the Dominican. Um, a lot of these kids come in very abusive, traumatic homes, um, very unsafe situations, and they can come there as long as they need to, really, just for safety and to feel loved. Um, She's teaching them basic life skills so that they hopefully can be successful in life and that they at least have those skills um, to be independent one day if they need to be. And it really just worked out for us to go to the site. It was a brand new site for SCORE and, and they said, hey, you want to try it? And we said, why not? Um, really touched, I think, all of our hearts. I think we all had that one place that you kind of felt connected to and this was mine. Um, these kids just needed, they just needed love so bad. Um, you could just see it. They just, <clears throat> their, their thirst for loving kindness was extremely evident. Um, and I think we all felt that place, again, feeling like God showed up and rearranged our schedules to make sure that we were able to be there that day. Um, every night, <laughs> we were in Peggy's sweatshop. That's um, <laughs> what we all call it. it, it I mean, it's, yeah. um, and had devotions. And then, of course, after that, then some of the younger people in the group had to go connect with Wi-Fi, um, so that was always interesting. Now, I will have to say, for all you tech fans, we crowded around one little phone to watch the Final Four game. Um, so that was a, an experience and a memory. Um, but there really is so much more that I can say, and there's words that, that you just can't um, use to describe the trip. Um, I have been asked to speak at the women's meeting in May along with Abby and Nancy, so if you want to hear more, there, there will be more there. Um, but I'll just wrap up by saying, you know, three years ago I thought God wanted me to go to Romania. 
with the opportunity to ministry with my girls and my close friends here at Mill Creek is, is something that um, was part of the plan all along. Um, so I'm so glad that I stopped and listened to God's call. Thank you both for sharing. There's always so much to process after a trip like that and um, to, to think about and the Lord shows up, divine appointments is what I call them, uh, just through opportunities, whether it's with a gate agent or uh, somebody in the seat next to you or on the trip. So thank you for coming and uh, for sharing that. We have an opportunity. Missions is coming right to our area. So it's hiker season again. If you would like to reach out and, and minister to some of the through hikers that you see and experience in Daleville or Troutville as they're going through, we've got some bags available, as well as we have some need for some more supplies, these green sheets. They're at the exits as you're leaving today. I would encourage you. I've already had three different conversations with hikers and didn't have any bags. So I say, come on back next time, and, uh, and we'll give you some bags too. But, uh, so I wanted to make that aware. You don't have to go to the Dominican. You don't have to go anywhere other than to Daleville. And you'll, you'll encounter hikers by this time of year, trust me. And they won't eat you. <laughs> Though some of them look like they might. But they won't. They're, they're, they're all friendly. So I uh, would encourage you with that. We're going to enter into our time of prayer. Let me just share a few of the prayer and praises that we've got that you can be praying about. First of all, this morning we pulled out Johnny Mandible's name and decided, you know what? Johnny and Joyce are leaving us. I don't know what you're thinking, Johnny, but I'll blame you going back down to where your, your family is and, and grandson, right? In South Carolina. So Johnny and Joyce are going to be moving there. They're going to be back and forth until June. Is that what we said? Until the beginning of June. So I said, you know what? Let's just add Joyce to it. And uh, it's a twofer this week. Johnny and Joyce Mandible. You can be praying for them as they're transitioning. They've already begun to move some things to their new home uh, down in South Carolina. Also, uh, want to remember some folks. Jerry Fink has got a clot that's causing some blindness in his left eye. And so I know that uh, he would appreciate you remembering him. Curtis Tatum's knee uh, procedure went well. His, his replacement on Thursday went well. He is home and recovering and uh, was being loved on by a grandchild yesterday when I talked with him. And so I uh, continue to remember Curtis as he's recovering and as uh, therapy is kicking in. Also, I uh, had a text from Lewis, talked with Lewis yesterday, and then he texted me this morning to say he's coming home today. And uh, I know he is grateful. Lewis was feeling great yesterday. It was a rough day, he said, on, on Friday. But uh, yesterday he was feeling very good, and he's looking forward to getting home. They removed a portion of his colon, very large tumor, uh, but also said at this point no, no further chemo, radiation, anything like that is necessary. So praise the Lord for that. And I know Lewis is very grateful. Uh, Betty Millsaps, many of you know, may know Betty. Uh, her husband was a longtime pastor at Preston Oaks Baptist Church, Jim Millsass, but Betty uh, was with us on, on Easter Sunday. Her daughter, Luann, has been with us for some time now. Betty fell the other day and uh, was in the hospital. Now she's back at Our Lady in the Valley, but I know she would appreciate you remembering her. Every week, in case you didn't know it, we are on Facebook Live. Hey, Facebook Live people. One of the couples who joins us on Facebook Live regularly had a baby on Monday. 
How do I know? Because they also live four doors up from me. <laughs> but last Sunday night, as I was walking at about 9.30, they were outside. They said, Danny, we're going to have a baby tomorrow at 1.30. I said, praise the Lord. And so um, I want to just say congratulations to Zach and Kylie Gibb on the birth of Ashton. Uh, Mom and baby are doing well at home. And uh, hopefully y'all will make the transition from Facebook to in-house at some point. But you just keep with us. We, we appreciate you worshiping with us. There's a host of others listed here, uh, Debbie Atkins and Amy Hodges and others, and I would just encourage you to continue to be praying for. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come before you at this time thanking you, Lord, for the many ways in which you just met needs in the Dominican Republic as well as through the journey there and back. Father, for the team that went and for the various uh, ministries that they participated in, Lord, there's no way to put a value there's no way to put a, a price tag on that. Ms. Melissa said, even being able to go with her daughter's Lord was priceless. So, Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for their safety. And, Lord, we look forward to how you are going to continue to multiply and use that ministry and the connections that Mill Creek has had with the Dominican since 2004. Lord, that's what missions are about, are relationships that are built. And so, Father, we thank you for that give you praise. Lord, we give you praise for the new birth and pray for Ashton and Lord that one day he will come to know you as his Lord and Savior. For Kylie and Zach as you have trusted him in their care. Father, bless them. Lord, uh, pray that you'd be with Johnny and Joyce as they continue to transition from uh, the, the work that they've done for so long into some retirement and then moving down the family. And Lord, we just pray your blessings on them during this crazy time of going back and forth. Lord, pray that you just continue to work that out. We thank you for what they've meant to our church family for all these years. And Lord, pray your blessings on them as they're in the midst of, of this transition in life. Lord, for those who have just had some procedures, for Curtis, for Lewis, Lord, we pray for continued healing and strength. Father, for those who are in need right now, so many on our, our prayer sheet, and Father, pray that, that they would just experience your presence right now through the various things that they are going through. For Betty after this fall. Father, for Debbie as she continues to heal um, and, and, and Lord, continue to just help her as her body recovers from the stem cell transplant. For so many others, Lord, who just need to experience your touch. Father, we pray that they would. Father, for us, as we give our tithes and offerings, now bless them, use them, multiply them, and Father, may we continue to see your work done as a result of the gifts that we give. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
take your Bibles this morning and open them up to Proverbs chapter 30. If you saw me waving, I sat down and I started looking around, checking out, checking y'all out, making sure you were in the proper places. Some of you are not, but you're here, praise the Lord. And then I look up in the balcony and there's Debbie and Wayne Atkins. So, hey, we pray for you. Proverbs chapter 30. Sometimes I like to uh, hand Cindy a softball where musically she can just hit it out of the park. Other times I like to watch her squirm. <laughs> this is one of those where I sent her the passage and just waited for her to squirm. And she did. But Cindy knocked it out of the park as always. So thank you for that. We're going to be looking at Proverbs chapter 30 verses 24 uh, to 28. Have you ever, I forget how many seasons, I think it's 26 or 7 seasons now, the show um, called Little People Big World. I don't know if you've ever watched it. Little People Big World is a show that um, is a reality TV show about the Roloff family in Oregon. They have a farm in Oregon and people visit and a variety of other things. But what makes this family unique is that the mom and dad are four feet tall. One of their children, who is a twin, by the way, one of their children is the same size as them. And then they have three other children who are, as they would say, average size. And so it's an interesting dynamic in the family. But it's also interesting as you watch the show, as it unfolds, you begin to discover and see some of the challenges that people who are shorter in stature have to deal with in a very real way on a regular basis. Little people, big world. When it comes to following and living for Christ in today's world, this post-Christian, as so many people have said, secular society that we are living in, I think so often we can feel like little people in a big world as Christians. We can feel like a minority. We can feel like we are this small group or small uh, person that really can't make a big impact on this world that we're living in. And it doesn't take long to discover that we as Christians face a variety of challenges as we seek to live in this world, especially in today's society. There's so many thoughts and doctrines and theologies and a variety of things that it, it can be tough today to live a Christ-focused and centered life. And there's just something about the Sundays after Easter. You know, we have built up to Easter. We celebrated the resurrected Christ. And the Sundays following Easter, I'm always thinking about, wow, when Christ returns. When Christ returns. Because we know that the resurrection is our hope for eternity. And we also know that when Christ ascended to be with the Father, he said he was coming back one day. Now, he didn't give us the date and time, so we just have to go with what we know. So I'm constantly thinking about when Christ returns, especially after, after Easter. And so with, with next Sunday being at the park, I didn't want to start a new sermon series today. And, and, and so I, I just went back to something that I had done some reading on because it's one of those passages that when I hit it, I'm like, I don't understand this. i got to figure this out. And so the crazier the world gets, I think the closer we get, I, I can't help but believe anyway, the closer we get to Christ's return. Every day we're one day closer. We do know that. And so what do we do? Easter is coming on. Christ is going to come again. What do we do in the meantime? What are we supposed to do as Christians, especially if we feel like little people living in a big world around us? Well, Scripture gives us all kinds of things that we should be doing. 
The passage we're going to look at today gives us some specific things that we ought to be doing. This passage is a funny little nature lesson that gives us four, four specific things we should be doing while we live and while we wait for Christ's return. So follow along with me, beginning in verse 24 of Proverbs chapter 30. How do I know there are four things? Because verse 24, four things on earth are small, yet they are extremely wise. Ants are creatures of little strength, yet they store up their food in the summer. Hyraxes are creatures of little power, yet they make their home in the crags. Locusts have no king, yet they advance together in ranks. A lizard can be caught with the hand, yet it is found in king's palaces. The book of Proverbs is what we refer to as part of the wisdom literature within Scripture. Proverbs, Job, Ecclesiastes are wisdom literature in the Bible. Proverbs is made up of short, clever sayings that provide wisdom to the reader. Wisdom is the accumulated insight of God's people over time. And so theoretically, as Christians today, with all of the history we have to go back to with God's words and everything else that they didn't have then, we ought to be really wise. How's that work? And so wisdom literature, what do we do with that? Typically, when I'm reading the book of Proverbs, because they are just these short, pithy sayings, so many of them attributed to Solomon, but I read them and I go, well, duh, that's a no-brainer. Then there are some other Proverbs, like Proverbs 31, that are you know, really famous, a noble wife. People know, virtuous woman, Proverbs 31 ministries, you know, a lot of people understand that. And there are some Proverbs like this one. Some make me go, well, duh. And like this one makes me go, huh? I mean, as I read it a while ago, several years ago, I was, as I was going through my, my Bible reading, rather than just read it and close my Bible, I read it and went, What? Does this mean? And what does this have to say? Why is it even in the Bible? And so I did some reading, I did some looking and some digging and discovered some really interesting lessons from these four small creatures. The scripture we read is basically a nature lesson with animal facts and illustrations that are a great eye-opener to the wonder of God's creation as well as some information that if we take and begin to apply to our lives, I think it will help us when it comes to living in this post-Christian world that we find ourselves in where we wait for Christ's return. God takes some simple creatures and gives us some big lessons from them. God takes simple people like you and me, and he calls us to live by his standards rather than the world's standards. But so often, so many people in the world could care less about God's standards. This passage can be an encouraging message for anyone who thinks you're too small to accomplish anything for God in the world that we're living in today. 
And so let's take a look at these four little critters and what we can learn from them. Because I think as followers of Christ in this big world, we are called to, first of all, to invest our time in preparations and make decisions with our future in mind. We prepare. We prepare. It's what the ant does. The most common ant in the Middle East is the harvester ant. Now, the harvester ant isn't like our ants. They don't gather up picnic crumbs and, and you know, take them back to their little ant kills. Harvester ants actually harvest. They climb a stalk of wheat, and scientists have observed how they divide their labor with one another. One group of ants climbs the stalk and chews off the grain. Another group carries the fallen kernel back to the ant colony. At the ant colony, there's another group who husks the grain that has been brought back, and then another group that stacks them neatly within the colony. Pretty cool. When it rains and the colony gets wet, the ants take the kernels out one by one, set them in the sun to dry, and once they're dry, they take them back in, and they stack them neatly again. It's the harvester ant, most likely, that Solomon would have been talking about here in this passage. They're storing up, they're preparing, they're harvesting the kernels for the winter, for those months where they don't have food to get. So just consider, as I thought about preparation, I thought about there are several ways in which God calls us to prepare. Sometimes he calls us to prepare for a mission trip. We spend a year or months getting ready to go on a week-long trip. We prepare. Other times, God calls us to prepare for things that are out there in our future, like winter, if you would. And as I thought about preparation, I thought about people first. How, do, how does God call people to prepare? As we look through Scripture, we see a variety of folks. Moses prepared for 80 years to lead the people out of the wilderness. Joshua prepared for 40 years to take over leadership after Moses died. King David was anointed. He was said he would be the next king. And then spent about 15 more years preparing to take that position. Even Jesus, 30 years, was on this earth before he began his public ministry of preaching and doing miracles. The famous British preacher of the 1800s, Charles Spurgeon, once said, If I was told I had 25 years left to live, I would spend the first 20 preparing. Preparation is huge. We prepare for a variety of things every day. We prepare meals. We prepare to get ready for our work or school or whatever. We do our homework and preparation. Well, God's word puts a high value on advanced preparation. Here are just a few of the ways in which we are called as Christians to prepare. Again, there are tons of it in Scripture. Paul told Timothy in 2 Timothy 2.21 to be prepared to do any good work, whether it's a simple act of kindness or preparation for a mission trip, we are to be prepared to serve others in Christ's name. Prepare yourself for acts of good work. Paul goes on to say that one way we prepare is by fleeing the evil desires of youth and pursuing 
righteousness, faith, love, and peace. Boy, if Christians would do more pursuing of righteousness, faith, love, and peace in today's world, instead of stirring the pot on social media, it'd be amazing what kind of impact Christians could make if we would just prepare in the way the Scripture calls us to prepare. Prepare to do good works. Flee the ways of this world. Instead, pursue. 1 Peter 3.15 Peter reminds us to always be prepared. Always be prepared to share our faith. Always be prepared to share the hope that we have. Always be prepared when a ticket person at the gate asks, who are you and what do you do? Be prepared to share, Peter said. Because you never know when the opportunity is going to open up for you to have a conversation. I was having a, a meal last night with my good friend Larry, and we were just talking about the way God works, and Larry was telling me, we were talking about trees. He's got some big trees in his yard. He said, you know, we used to have a huge tree out in the front yard, and NEP came by one day talking about they were going to trim it, and he said, you know, I just asked him, could, could you at least make it look nice when you're done instead of just butchering it, and da-da-da-da-da. The guy said, well, you know, we'll do what we can, but our, our colors, they just do what, what they want to. And Larry said, well, I'd rather just be taken down. He said, really? And so they got into a conversation about AEP taking down this tree. And Larry said, you know what? This is a good opportunity. And in the course of them just sitting there on his front porch, he said, hey, you know Jesus Christ. I'd like to tell you what he's done in my life. And at that moment, that Larry said, the guy's face lit up. He got this huge smile. And he said, let me tell you about Jesus Christ in my life. And Larry said he had to look for Kleenex because he was just dripping tears and snot the rest of the time. Be prepared. To give an answer, Peter said, for the hope that you have. And in Luke 12, 35 to 36, Jesus tells us, Be dressed, ready for service. Keep your lamps burning like servants, waiting for their master to return from a wedding banquet, so that when he comes and knocks, they can immediately open the door for him. We're not only to be prepared in a moment's notice for good works and other things, Jesus said we're to be prepared in a moment's notice for his return. And so we prepare as we go, as we wait for his return. We live as a Christian in this big world, not focusing our energy and attention on the things of this world, but focusing our energy and attention on preparation. The preparations you make today can have a significant impact on your future, not just in this world. This life that we are living is preparing us for eternity. We saw that as we looked at heaven and hell back last year, whenever it was we, we were in that series. We saw that heaven is going to be a variety of things, just like we experience here. And so our work, our witness, our worship here on this earth is a preparation for even eternity one day. As followers of Christ in this big world, we're called to be prepared, and the proverb said, we're called to stay close to our source of protection. The NIV says a hyrax. Your translation may have said a coney. That little animal is what we would refer to as a rock badger. Rock badgers are smart and successful because they know the principle of protection. They stay close to the rock. They live in the cracks of rocks where predators can't get to them as easily. A rock badger, a hyrax, a coney, spends its entire life within 20 yards of its home in the rock pile. 
But even when it strays far away, it has guards backing it up. Other rock badgers will stand guard on the rocks, watching for danger. If it sees a land predator, like a fox or coyote, it lets out this long squeak that basically is saying, hey, there's danger ahead. You need to start getting your hind tail back to the rock. You've got some time, but you need to be, be working your way back. If the, if the guard sees a bird of prey, like a hawk, it lets out a shorter, more urgent squeal, saying, you got to get back now. You're in danger. Hurry back. But if the guard sees a weasel, the guard slithers silently back into the rock itself. The other rock badger looks back often, doesn't see the guard, the guard's disappeared, and so that rock badger begins to run for its life. Why? Because the weasel can go anywhere the rock badger can. And sometimes weasels kill just for fun. But when rushing to hide, the rock badger doesn't run aimlessly. They follow set patterns and trails within the rock pile to the safest hideouts. Do you see the wisdom of this little creature? First of all, it knows its limits. Second of all, it stays close to its protection there in the rock. And it always has somebody watching its back. It never ventures out alone. They know where to run, where to hide. Scripture reminds us that God is our rock. The devil is our predator seeking to devour us. But unfortunately, there are too many Christians in the world today who think they can live 21 yards away from Jesus the rock. Or that they can live 25 yards away from somebody who can help hold them accountable to their relationship with Christ. Maybe, you know, they've decided, especially through COVID, well, I can kind of live 30 yards away from the church and still be okay. Until Satan attacks. And then it's too late, because sometimes Satan attacks just for fun. When they're in trouble, they cry out to God. They don't find their safety and security that they need because they're not in the habit of running to him on a daily basis as it is. So stay close to the rock on a daily basis. Spend time worshiping him daily. Spend time in his word daily. Spend time praying daily. Stay close to the rock of your life because you can't handle it out there on your own. You need the protection of the rock and you need the accountability of other people. Proverbs 18.10 reminds us, the name of the Lord is a fortified, it's a strong tower. The righteous run to it and are safe. In John 15, Jesus reminds us to remain in him as he remains in the Father, because apart from him, we can do nothing. And so we remain close to the rock. We stay where our protection is as followers of Christ. Living in this big world, we're called to be prepared. We're, we're called to stay close to our protection, Jesus Christ, our rock. And we're called to be part of a team and know the importance of community. The lesson of the locust is what that is about. It's small, something small, doing big things when it works together. There are basically two kinds of insects. There are the loners, and then there are the colonists. 
Loners are like spiders. You always see them alone. Colonists are like ants and locusts and bees. They're always together in groups. But locusts are both loners and colonists. In good times, locusts are sluggish loners. But in bad times, when there's a famine, locusts get very active and they begin to swarm. And when they swarm, they become a force of nature that is to be reckoned with. I got to looking back. In the early 1900s, there was a huge swarm. At that time, it was the biggest. 2020 surpassed it. But in the early 1900s, they talked about this one swarm in Africa. It was one mile wide, 100 feet thick, and 50 miles long. Experts estimated it had 10 billion locusts in it, which if you could kill one million a minute, it would take you a week to kill them all. In 2020, Kenya experienced a swarm that they estimate over one trillion insects. But in the early 1900s, this swarm made everything in sight. It landed on trees in such mass that the swarm, when it landed, would break off limbs three inches thick because of the weight of the locusts on that tree. Only one other force of nature was able to stop them, and that's the winds. They can't fly against the wind. They, the winds move them, and so winds blew them out to sea, but even after they flew for an estimated 60 hours, it was only after that that they dropped into the ocean. As believers, the Bible calls us to swarm. The Bible calls us to get together as a community because there is nothing like an army when it marches. I mean, just think about groups that you have gotten together with in church. Think about if you're a guy and you've ever gone to a Promise Keepers rally, if you're a woman and you've ever gone to the E-Women's Conference. There's energy in that place when a group gets together for a common cause. If you've ever been on a mission trip, you know what I'm talking about. There's something that happens when a group gets together to meet needs, when a group gets together to work together to accomplish a goal or a task. It's why the writer of Hebrews tells us in Hebrews 10, 24 to 25, let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as the day of Christ's return approaches. It's why we get together on Sunday mornings. It's why we get together for prayer breakfasts or meetings. It's why we get together for Bible studies. It's why we meet. Because there's something about the group together that can't be accomplished as a loner. And so we swarm like the locusts. As Christians, we need to be like locusts and swarm together because when we do, we become a force to be reckoned with. Instead of being self-focused, we need to be team-oriented in getting things done. As followers of Christ living in this big world, we're called to be prepared. We're called to stay close to our protection and to participate with one another 
And then the last little insect, or little creature that we hear about, reminds us that we're called to be bold and persistent. Have you ever tried to catch a lizard? Sometimes they can be pretty easy to catch. I can grab those things and chuck them, and an hour later, is that the same lizard I just You know, they just come right back. They're bold and persistent. A gecko doesn't just sell insurance. <laughs> You're welcome for the plug. You want to offer me insurance? I'll be happy to entertain. A gecko is a little four or five inch lizard that lives in warm climates. They're easy to catch, but they're built for climbing into spaces. I remember I was at a, at a conference one time in Florida. We were in this cinder block kind of motel, hotel on the conference grounds. And I remember laying there in bed and looking to my right. And there it was <laughs> on the wall, looking back at me. I thought, do I leave it alone? Or do I put it outside? If I leave it alone, it might decide to join me later on. Yeah. Going outside. I put it outside. About five hours later, when I came back to go to bed, there it was. Geckos are created really interesting. They have feet with climbing mechanisms. They have claws which, unlike a cat's, are spread apart even when they're relaxed. They have these little adhesive pads in the middle of their feet that give them grip. They stay moist and give them grip. They have scales on them that allow them to kind of hold on to surfaces as they're climbing them. And you can catch them. And you can throw them as far away as you want, but they're coming back. They're bold. They're persistent. Solomon said you find them in king's palaces. Let me ask you this. When it comes to your faith, when it comes to your relationship, your journey with Christ, what are you bold and persistent about? What are your spiritual goals for the next month, six months, 12 months? Where would you like to see yourself spiritually two, five, ten years from now if the Lord tarries and returning? Where would you like to see yourself? How are you being like a lizard and being persistent in pursuing your relationship with God and His plans and His purposes for your life? Here's some scripture passages that tell us how God wants us to pursue Him. Again, there's a bunch. I just put a few. Romans 2, 7 and 8. To those who by persistence in doing good seek glory, honor, and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. Galatians 6, 9 and 10. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. And Hebrews 10, 36, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what God has promised. Man, be bold and persistent in your faith. The lessons these little four critters share with us are great pictures of who we are called to be as Christians in today's world. These little creatures remind us that God wants to use us, no matter how small and significant, no matter what age, God wants to use us. To do big and amazing things for him. Like the ants, the Holy Spirit equips us to make decisions with our future in mind. Like the conies, 
who are wise because they know their safety is in the rock, just as our safety is found in our rock, Jesus Christ. We stay close in our relationship with him, focusing on that. The locusts remind us of the importance of community and how when we focus on the right things as Christ followers, we can be a force to be reckoned with in today's world. And the lizards remind us to be bold and persistent even when others may try to throw us out or get rid of us. The key to being a little person in this big world is preparation, protection, participation, and persistence. Which one are ones do you need to work on this week? God, we thank you for this reminder from Proverbs. How little critters can teach us big lessons. Father, may we take these lessons and begin to apply them to our lives. Speak to us, Lord. And which ones we need to be working stronger on. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've never invited Jesus to be Lord and Savior, what's keeping you from doing that today? As we close this hour of worship out, I would love to talk to you about that. It's a way for you to get started in that relationship, that journey. Become part of this body of believers as together we can be a force to be reckoned with. If you'd like to know more about becoming part of Middle Creek, I'd love to share that with you. If you have some other decision to make, we'd love to celebrate with you. As we stand and close this hour of worship out, if you have a decision to make, come on down. Otherwise, we'll stand and <coughs> Amen. Have a blessed week.